There was a time when stories had to be true. Uh, the word, after all, the word story, after all, was derived from the Latin history or history. We often point out, as Christians, we often point out that history is his and is God's story. Uh, since he has written it, and since he is carrying it out uh, to its, and he's appointed its end, and he's carrying it out to that end, uh, therefore the Bible as well is true. It is the true story of historical happenings. We're working our way through the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And uh, it's all history. And it makes for a good story. And we've been going through that story, the story of the Exodus, and and pointing out what it means to us. And we see in it uh, really the story of salvation. Uh, This morning we continue the larger story uh, by looking at one of the smaller stories therein. Uh, That of the coming of Jethro, uh, Moses' father-in-law, to Moses in the desert wilderness. Uh, If you read with me, it's printed there in the bulletin, the first 12 verses of Exodus chapter 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian... Moses' father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the, time of, and the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped in the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. And this is your truth for us and to us. 
Lord, grant us ears to hear, uh, minds, Lord, to receive, and hearts to uh, rest in, and wills to do what we hear. Uh, by your Spirit, O oh Lord, open your word to us, and as well us to your word, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, this is a story. It's a story about Jethro and Moses. And if you know nothing else about Jethro and Moses, if you've never heard the names Jethro and Moses, you have no prior knowledge of them whatsoever, one thing certainly you now know is that they were father-in-law and son-in-law. Seven times in these 12 verses, 12 times in the chapter, that phrase, son-in-law, father-in-law, either Moses' father-in-law, father-in-law, Moses, whatever, uh, occurs. And at this point in the story, we're not exactly sure why. What we know is that when you read something that many times in that short space of, uh, you know, in that short space of time, it's pretty important. And so you need to pay attention to it But at this point in in the story, we don't really know the importance of it. The story is concerned about Jethro returning Moses' wife and sons uh, to him. It doesn't say why they went out uh, in the first place to to be with Jethro or uh, when uh, they went. And there's all sorts of speculation about that. Some of the language, well, a phrase in uh, the passage uh, lends some people uh, to think that uh, divorce was involved. The language to send away is sometimes used uh, of a husband sending away or putting away a wife in divorce. But it's only a few times used like that. Most of the time it's used the way we would use it. And there's no reason to think that that that's the case, that there was a divorce. Most of the people studying the book of Exodus and writing commentaries on the book of Exodus and teaching it, uh, believe that Moses sent his wife and children away for their safety. Uh, they were out in the wilderness. He, you know, they were in a war and didn't know what was going to happen next. And some believe that he had the opportunity and he took it to send his uh, wife and children to safety. I wonder if it didn't have to do with that, but particularly with, with Moses' responsibility to lead the people of Israel through the wilderness and his responsibility for them and his wanting to do it without the distraction of his own family and their safety and being concerned for their safety. And so he sent them uh, to his father-in-law. Or perhaps it was simply they were in the neighborhood. I mean, uh, the Midianites were the Amalekites' next-door neighbors in that area, and, and Israel's already in the area of the Amalekites. Is an opportunity for his wife and children to go see her father and their grandfather or their grandparents. And so Moses sent them on, as you and I might. But the thing to see... The thing to see in all this is Moses' respect for his father-in-law, for Jethro. 
Moses was not an unimportant man at this point. He was a leader of two million people. He had delivered them, humanly speaking, he had delivered them from the world power, Egypt. Brought them out, parted the Red Sea, led them across, destroyed Pharaoh and his army, and now was moving through the wilderness. Surely that news was out and about. He was something of a celebrity of the time in that area. Celebrities don't go out to see people. People come to see them. And they grant audiences. But we read that Moses went out when he heard that his, his, his father-in-law was on the way. He went out to him. And when he found him, when he got to him, he bowed down before him. I wish my son-in-law was here. Uh, maybe he'll listen to the tape. And he kissed him. Those are things that the lesser does to the greater. Moses humbled himself before his father-in-law. And this is where I, the oldest person in this room, get to quote scripture to you. Leviticus 19, I think it's verse 34. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. That's the word of God <laughs> to you. Back to the son. Moses humbled himself before his father-in-law. And here's how he did it. By going out to meet him, by bowing down, by kissing him. And then they engaged in small talk. And I pictured them, you know, Jethro and his uncle making their way there. Moses and his go up there. And the two men are walking side by side. And it says they engaged in small talk. So how you been? Well, I'm all right for a little man. Actually, I'll a little bit. Have you seen a chiropractor? Have you ever had therapeutic massage? You might think about that. And all the time they're moving towards the tent, into which they have, and where they have significant conversation. And Moses tells him what God had done for Israel. But notice this. Not a word about Zipporah. Not a word about the boys, other than that he brought them back. Moses focused on his father-in-law. Why? One one commentator about Moses kissing his father-in-law said, I believe the first person I don't want to kiss would have been my wife. (laughs) You know, not her daddy. Why is that? Moses focused on his father-in-law. Why all this emphasis on the fact that Jethro is his father-in-law? 
We have to leave that. Maybe we'll find out. The second thing to say about this story, though, is that not only is it a story about Jethro and Moses, it's a story about Jethro and God. Moses and Jethro have this significant, meaningful conversation in the tent. And it was about how God delivered his people. To which Moses responded. In the first place, with joy. Verse 9, Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done. And secondly, it was with praise. Verse 10, Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you. And third, he responded in faith. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Verse 11. And he responded in worship. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Verse 12. Jethro, the foreign priest of strange gods, is converted through that significant conversation. In what may be the first conversion in the Old Testament. May not be, but it's certainly the first one that we got the story of in the Old Testament. He heard what God had done. Moses tended Jethro's sheep, sheep 40 years in the wilderness. How many times do you reckon he told his father-in-law about the God of Israel? And particularly, there was that incident of the burning bush. What do you think he told his father-in-law about that? And then there was Moses taking Jethro's daughter and grandson back to Egypt. What do you think Moses told him then? He had been told. He had been told. He had been told. Surely he had been told. John Currit points out that that phrase in verse 12, now I know, was in Currit's words, commonly used in the Old Testament, was mostly used of a person convinced of a truth by an event. How do we know that this was a conversion? I say because he worshipped God. Verse 12 seems to confirm at least verses 9, 10, and 11. This is the first sacrifice in the wilderness. First sacrifice in the desert. There will be many more before we get to the end of Deuteronomy. This is the first one. And it's offered by a foreigner, a priest to the gods of Midian, not by the Israelites. Oy vey. <laughs> wow. 
lot about these, you know, what's with these Israelites? Which brings us to the point of everything. God's plan of salvation encompasses the world of which Jethro is a type. And of which his relationship to Moses is key. Which is why that phrase, Moses' father-in-law, is repeated seven times in these 12 verses. Why it's important. And it has implication for you and for me. Which brings us to the third thing we have to say about this story. That is not simply the story of Jethro and Moses. It's not simply the story of Jethro and God. But it's the story of Jethro, Moses, God, and us. Or, we could put it this way, it's the story about the world, us, and Jesus. And we're the connecting link. We're the key. God's plan is to save the world by the cross and your and my testimony to it. Begs the question, how? How do we do that? What a monstrous task. You do it just as Moses told Jethro what God had done for Israel. You and I are to tell the world what God has done in Jesus Christ. It's so simple. You don't even have to go across the street or next door, let alone across the world. Now, someone's going to take exception to what I just said. He's sitting back there in the back pew. Now, if God is calling you to go to the other side of the world, you better go. But you can start at home. It's interesting, those boys' names. Moses' testimony starts with his sons, Gershom. I'm a sojourner here. Eliezer. God is my help. There's his testimony. I'm a sojourner on this earth. God is my help. That's Moses' testimony. That's his story in a nutshell. Moses' father-in-law knew those boys' names. And he knew what they meant. Plus that, he had heard from his daughters and his son-in-law's own lips what God had done for Israel. If you look up at 
verse 1, I think, says that when he heard about what God had done, where did he hear that? His daughter. She was there with him. Moses ascended. She told him. It was probably being broadcast as well in the news and everything, but he heard from his daughter. And maybe from her sons. And then he comes to see his son-in-law. And he gets it straight from his own lips. They go straight into that tent. He didn't go hug his wife, hug the children, any of that. Takes his daddy-in-law in there and says, here's what God has done. And he believed. Jethro believed. And the gospel had begun to penetrate the world. It's not just a message for a little, small, insignificant group of people in a remote corner of the world. It's for the world. And just so, you're in my testimony has to be of what God has done in Christ. How He's reconciling the world to Himself through Jesus' death on the cross for sinners like us. But take note. It's just so important. You know the Gospel story. You know enough just about anybody in this room to tell someone else what God has done in Jesus Christ. But note how Jethro, and in Jethro, if you will, the world, heard the truth of the person and the nature of the living God and of what he had done. It was in the context of love respect and humility which is so easy for me to say and so difficult for any one of us to do we've got the truth and the world doesn't every once in a while we're moved to share the truth and some of the time we even do but somehow So often, it comes out so hard and cold and smug and unloving and judgmental and disrespectful and proud and arrogant. My dad studied geology. He probably would have been a geologist, except he was studying geology in 1929 and the market crashed and the Great Depression started and he no longer could afford to go to school. He was the eldest of seven children and somebody besides his father and mother had to go to work. So daddy did. But he loved geology. He and I would talk about the gospel after I was converted, which was in my late 20s, we would set out to talk about the gospel, but I could never get past the first two chapters of Genesis. 
It's about people and it's about Jesus. And that's where we've got to start. And, and, and not get off on tangents. And, and, and not be so superior. Learn from Moses. Study Moses. Learn about love and respect and humility in your practice of Christian witness to the world, which starts under your roof, across the street and next door, and in the grocery store and at the restaurant and the service station, your place of work. Coffee club, the bridge club. We still have bridge clubs anymore. I'm showing my age. Uh, but whatever. We have a story to tell to the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right. A story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and light. We have a message to give to the nations that the Lord who reigneth above hath sent us his Son to save us and to show us that God is love. We've a Savior to show to the nations who the path of sorrow hath trod that all of the world's great peoples might come to the truth of God. For the darkness shall turn to dawning and the dawning to noonday bright and Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and light. And you and I are the link, are the key. Let's pray.